Praise the Lord. God is so good. I, I wish that you could, um, it might be awkward if we all came up front in that moment, but if you could hear the voices of everybody singing together. Uh, we've tried, I mentioned it in our welcome video this week, we've tried, there's just no way to capture that um, with the equipment that we have to make it sound and to kind of give you the experience of being here, but uh, there's nothing There's nothing like being here. So thank you for being with us this morning on site. For those of you watching online, what a joy to have you with us. Do your best to engage in these next few moments. Whether here or there, fight the distraction. Dial in. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter number 3. We'll finish up John 3 this morning. If you're our guest here today, maybe it's your first time with us ever, welcome. I hope that you've been welcomed and greeted and, and uh, met some of the wonderful people that make Grace Covenant Church what it is. Uh, from all ages and stages in life, uh, we're a family together, but we're a family that can't wait to add others to the family. And so we're grateful for what God is doing. We've been journeying through the Gospel of John. Uh, we don't look to social uh, woes to tell us what to preach on Sunday. We don't watch the Hallmark calendar to figure out what holiday's coming up to try to address. And I don't get an inkling on a Saturday night scratching my brain wondering, what in the world am I going to talk about tomorrow? That's not how this works. Um, we're working through the Gospel of John together. Even when we veer from a straight-up expository text, we still know where we're going and we're still there together. John the Baptist has said some things and, and uh, John that's writing the gospel, if you're first time with us, is different from John the Baptist, but we're going to spend some time with John the Baptist again this morning in our text. Jesus has just had this encounter with Nicodemus and sometime after that conversation, we find Jesus and the disciples, look with me at verse 22, they're on the Judean countryside, what are they doing? Well, they're remaining there with him and baptizing. Now, this is after the conversation, Jesus and his disciples on the countryside, continuing what was begun by John the Baptist as they're baptizing. What I'm going to do this morning in the way of structure, for those of you who are wondering what notes am I going to take, I'm going to give you a few notes out of this first section uh, leading up to the fact that John points to Jesus, and then I'm going to give you three reasons from the text why he points to Jesus. So you look on at verse 23, continuing on. John was also baptizing at Anon near Salem because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put in prison. John is about eight miles south and just to the west of the Jordan River. And that's where he's baptizing. And then this discussion starts. You gotta love when church folk get together Somebody's going to ask a question, there's going to be a discussion, an opportunity to shine for Jesus. Let's see what happens. Verse 25. Now, discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John here has an opportunity. He's presented with this incredible opportunity here that most men fail. John's ministry and the impetus 
And the big need for what John has done in laying the groundwork is coming to an end. It is fading and changing from what it was. Now, he can either try to hang on to what was and have it pried from his cold, dead hands, or he can let go and let God. Think about what John is seeing. God is answering prayer. The Messiah has come. Jesus is here. Ministry is happening. Will John be selfish or selfless in the way he responds to what's happening? Will he try to preserve the past at the expense of God's blessing in the present? Or will he point his work toward Christ? It's an interesting challenge. Let's see what he does in verses 27 through 30. So this discussion has happened and John responds and answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, this is the text we just read, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom and the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, his joy, or this joy rather, of mine is now complete. And the famous verse, he must increase, but I must decrease. Ashley and I were reminiscing about the pastor that led both of us to Jesus. And uh, this was a day, and I'm going to really date myself and put myself in a camp really quick here. But <clears throat> this was a day in an ilk where we would get our Bibles signed by certain preachers. And, uh, and, you know, it's, I guess it's like baseball. If you don't collect baseball cards, you get preachers to sign your Bible. I don't know. But uh, kind of heroes, modern-day heroes of the faith. And um, he would always sign, Pastor Fall would always sign the Bible, John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. You know, if that's your takeaway from this morning, it's a good takeaway. I'm just going to give you how John got there and why it's worth following as we point to Jesus. Look back at verse 27. I'm going to give you a few highlights from that text. Number one, I would say to you, these aren't big points of the message, but just bullets here. John knows where ministry comes from. He, he knows where true ministry comes from. There's a lot of things out there, even in John's day. John the Baptist day, there were a lot of folks out there doing what they thought was ministry, but John knew that real ministry that exalted Christ and pointed to the truth came from heaven. Ministry is a gift from God. We're experiencing that even now in our midst as a Grace Covenant Church family. I was able to celebrate that again this week with a businessman who stepped on the property and said, tell me about what's happening here and what the vision for the future is. I mean, you know what? That's like putting a ribeye in front of a pit bull. I just went after it. And I shared about the gospel. I almost gave him an invitation to ask for an offering. I mean, it was a wonderful moment. <laughs> wonderful moment. John knows where ministry comes from. John also knew his place. In verse 28, John knows that he is the lesser. He's not the main character. Shakespeare says, all the world's a stage and all the men and women Merely players. Well, player. Um, no, sorry. Uh, if all the world's a stage, we've misinterpreted that, I believe, to think that we are the main actors. We're looking for the lead cast roles in this story. Some of us think we're supporting actors in the story, but, but, but I want to tell you something. We're not. 
We're barely even extras. If you want to look at it, God is the main. He is the primary. He's so supreme and so awesome that his story is the one we're telling and he's invited us to be a part of it. But unlike extras, unnamed extras in a movie, this superstar knows each one of our names and knows the hairs on our head by number. We are known by God. John is living out, the Baptist is living out here what Paul would write about later about being crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. John knows that the best thing you can know about John the Baptist is Jesus. John knows who he is and he knows who he's not and it brings him great joy. That's the next point. John is joyful with this transition. John portrays his feelings toward the ministry of Christ with an incredible illustration of a Hebrew wedding. Now, let's be honest with each other. When Drew read that, thank you, Drew. Good reading. Got a great reading voice. When Drew read that this morning, the one who has the bride, verse 29, is the bridegroom and the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears. Some of you went into like, that's stuff I don't understand that doesn't immediately apply to me in my life, so it might as well have been the Charlie Brown womp, 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 bridegroom, something about a groom, right? That's nice. Isn't that pleasant? Man, the picture here is awesome. This friend of the bridegroom, this isn't casual conversation. This is an actual title. It's like the best man, but, but um, not like we know the best man. It's just the guy who says something at the rehearsal and then the, the wedding reception. No, this is the, the shushpen. This is the unique place in the Jewish wedding tradition. This, this individual acted as the liaison between the bride and the bridegroom. He arranged the wedding. He took out the invitations. He presided over the wedding feast. Uh, and he, he did all of this, bringing these families together. But he had one special duty. He was to guard the bridal chamber and let no false lover in. He would only open the door to the bridal chamber at nighttime when he recognized the bridegroom's voice. Hmm. When he heard the bridegroom's voice at night, he was glad and he would let him in and close the door and recognize that his job was done. And with great joy, he would step away because the celebration was completed. Don't you love that? By the way, Jesus, Jesus is the perfect bridegroom who came from heaven to make an unlikely bride his wife. That's us, the church. With all of our warts and bruises and all of our imperfections, Christ came for us. John the Baptist knew that all ministry came from God. He knows his place. He's joyful in doing his job. There's no envy here in what John is experiencing. And finally, in verse 30, John points away from himself and he points to Jesus. He points to Jesus. One of the men in our men's discipleship group said this week when we were taking prayer requests, he said, man, just pray that uh, I'll have more Jesus and more Holy Spirit, that that would be evident in my life. What does he mean by that? He means that Christ would have more rule and reign over his heart. He means that the Holy Spirit, he would give more freedom to the Holy Spirit to work in his life. John the Baptist knows 
Jesus' ministry must increase and his must decrease. He's not completely gone yet. He'll be imprisoned. John the Baptist will ultimately be martyred for his faith. But I want you to hear the joy as he sets up that why Jesus is so important in this moment. He's going to point us to Jesus. And I think we should point others to Jesus for the reasons, the compelling reasons that he gives here in verses 31 through 36. Now here's your, you've got three main headers for the rest of the text this morning. That's your intro. Here's your header number one. Jesus is greater. You could put he's the greatest. I mean, that's fine. You could put uh, the supremacy of Christ if you're feeling extra religious this morning. But Jesus is greater. He's greater. Look at verse 31 with me. The Bible says, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. And he who comes from heaven is above all. Jesus is not a normal human being. John the Baptist had earthly parents, biological mother and a biological father, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Jesus may have arrived via Mary in a manger, in Bethlehem, but Jesus has always existed. Jesus was not created. Jesus did not come into being when he showed up on earth. John the Baptist is from the earth. Jesus Christ is from heaven. John the Baptist is earthy. Jesus is heavenly, and he is above all. Jesus is above all. He's greater. Uh, some of the best words of this song. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, he was here before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above the wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth, there's no way to measure what he is Worth. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 7, Jesus is our high priest. Jesus was holy. Jesus was innocent. Jesus was unstained. Jesus was separated from sinners by that holiness. And Jesus is exalted above the heavens. He's greater. He's greater. You have nobody to put in the category of who Christ is. Even in the Old Testament, the psalmist caught a glimpse of this God and knew that he was greater. The Bible says in Psalm 113, we can bless the name of the Lord at all time from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Why? Because he's high above all nations and his glory is high above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth. Make no mistake in this pluralistic society that we live in today. Jesus does not sit at the table of other gods as though he is seated among equals. He sits on the throne that crushes the table of other gods and the earth is his footstool. Our God is greater. And John knows it. And John says, I'm not greater. I'm not Jesus. The world doesn't revolve around me. Let me point you to the one the world revolves around. Jesus is greater. He is on the throne of heaven. 
Paul would write in Ephesians 1, he is far above all rule, he is far above all authority, he is far above all power, he is far above all dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the root and the offspring of David. He is worthy for you to wake up in the morning before you roll out of bed and say that name that is above every name, and it's good for it to be the last name on your lips at night before you close your head to sleep. Why? Because he is supreme. He's greater. Jesus is greater. Whatever you think will be your ultimate happiness in life, Jesus is greater. Whatever you think will satisfy you and your inner man or inner woman that the world is offering at you, I've come to tell you this morning, Jesus is greater. Whatever darkness the world has to throw against the light of the truth, Jesus is greater. Whatever sinister plot conceived by the devil himself may be thrown against the church of the living God, however dark it may seem, however strong they may appear, however anti-Christ they reveal themselves to be. I've come to remind you this morning, we shall overcome because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Christ is greater. John knows this. The writer John knows this. And he's saying more of him and less of me. He continues in verse 32 and 34, actually the 32 through 34 to give us our next point. Let's read the text together and then we'll write down the point. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. We're talking about the words that Jesus says now. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. Verse 34. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. The next thing I'd have you write down, why would we point to Jesus? Because Jesus is truth. Jesus is truth. He doesn't just tell the truth. He is the truth. He would later say in John's gospel, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth does not need updating. There's a story of a man who came to an old friend, a music teacher, and... Um, walked into the music teacher's classroom and said, what's the good word today? The old teacher was silent for a few moments and stood up and walked across the room to the other side of the room, picked up the hammer and picked up a tuning fork and struck the fork so that it made its tuning noise. While it was making its noise, the music teacher looks at that friend and says, this is A. It is A today. It was the note A 5,000 years ago, and it will be the note A 10,000 years from now. The soprano upstairs sings off-key. The tenor across the hall flats when he hits high notes. The piano in the basement is out of tune. Boom! It hits it again and says, but this is A. My friend, the good news for today is there are some things that never change. Truth is always truth. And this is always truth. And Jesus is the truth that you and I need the most, that lasts for all eternity. 
There are three truths that the world would have us to believe, actually two that the world would have us to embrace. Your truth, my truth, or the truth. We get nervous around when people say absolute truth because of our subjective, relativistic reality. We like to make sure, well, you don't really know. No, I do know. I do know. These things were written, John said, so that you might know. I don't have to think so, hope so, guess so. I know some things. And the only things I know worth telling are the things that God said. He is truth. The Bible says he had the spirit with him. Did you see that in verse 34? For he gives the spirit without measure. The Old Testament prophets had the spirit for a limited time and a purpose. Remember, John the Baptist is standing between these two worlds. He's the last of the Old Testament prophets and the first of the prophet to see the Messiah. And so John is straddling both of these worlds and he knows what he's saying here. There's so much texture here. We don't have time to chase it all down this morning. But, but he's saying, look, this, he has the spirit without measure. Everybody listening to him would have known, ah, he's talking about the anointing. And that's a word that's thrown around a lot in certain circles today, usually attached to talent which the Bible never attached it to. This is an anointing. This is a divine unction. The old timers would say, and a divine unction to function, to do something for God in a specific way so that divine power was evidenced by the action. He's saying when Jesus speaks, he has the spirit without limit. The spirit is in him, on him, around him, and through him at all times. And that's true because he is Christ. The spirit is the spirit of Christ, Jesus has the spirit without measure. He's truth with flesh on. Paul would write to Timothy later on and say, it's good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, what's the ultimate expression of the knowledge of the truth? Jesus is. Jesus is. To reject Jesus is to call God a liar. Are you prepared to do that? John would later write in 1 John 5.10, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony of himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed in the testimony that God is born concerning his Son. Are, are you calling God a liar with your actions today? Are you calling God a liar with your lips today by professing that there's some other way to please God outside of the Lord Jesus Christ? God is true, and the Bible says every man is a liar compared to God. Truth and hatred, Tertullian said, of truth, came into our world together. As soon as truth appears, it's regarded as an enemy. Think back to the garden. That old serpent appears, speaks to Eve, and says what? I'm going to go King James on you because that's the way I remembered it. I felt it right as I was about to say it. Hath God said, translation, did God really say that? The enemy will always cause you to question truth and cause division, confusion. John the Baptist selflessly points to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is greater. Because Jesus is truth. Lastly this morning, 
Because Jesus is in charge. He's in charge. I know there are moments that you look at it and you think, wow, is he though? Yes, yes he is. Look with me at verses 35 and 36 in the text. John the Baptist continues his speech here and says, The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, and whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now just an important little background note here. If you weren't with us last week and we talked about Jesus showing up and one of the most famous verses in Scripture, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. What a glorious verse. Then the following verse says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And then it continues, because a lot of people stop there. It continues and says, basically, we're already condemned if we don't have Jesus. That thought continues here in that last part where you see the wrath of God remains on him. It remains on him. Now, this doesn't require a great deal of explanation. If you look at the text, it's pretty self-explanatory. A lot of times preachers say that and then they spend 10, 15 minutes explaining something. I'm not going to do that this morning. I wanted to remind you that Jesus is in charge. He's in charge. Maybe this will help. I'm going to let the Bible do the explaining for me. This might even sound familiar. We open with this. Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Soak it up now in light of what John the Baptist is telling us. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You know the rest of the passage. Jesus is in charge. He is seated on the throne. God, the Father, has given him all authority right before the Great Commission, the text that we know as the Great Commission, where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always. Before Jesus said that, the first thing he said before he made that Great Commission was this, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. All authority, there was still sin rampant. All authority, he's saying that as a resurrected king who had been crucified. All authority. All authority. He's in charge. John the Baptist has chosen in this strategic inflection moment of his life, when his disciples see him and say, look, 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 there's a crowd growing. And everybody's going up there. What do you think about that? What does he think about it? He points to Jesus. One of the greatest things that we have in this text this morning and even for us today to do to the world is to point to Jesus. He's greater. Just summarize it for you real quick. Jesus is greater. And he's worthy of your worship. You were created by him and for him. Nothing in this life or the life to come will go well without him. Jesus is greater. Jesus is truth. What he says, it, it is the way it is. 
You ever come home from the office sometimes and you're like, how was the day? You're like, well, it is what it is. Have y'all heard that expression before? One of our vice presidents of an organization I worked at years ago put a moratorium on that in any meeting. She's like, I don't want to hear that phrase anymore. It is what it is because we've allowed it to stay that way. Let's fix it. And uh, obviously context matters, but I want you to know something. What Jesus says goes. It is the absolute truth, and he meant to say what he said. He says, you must be born again. He said, believe on me and live. He's greater. He's the truth, and he's in charge. He's the only way to eternal life. He's the only way to God's favor. He's the only way to avoid God's wrath, which we all deserve as rebels. He's the perfect expression of God's incredible love and grace and he sits atop as the head of the church. Who's in charge of Grace Covenant Church? Jesus is, because he's the head of the church. I have the privilege to serve as an under-shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd. I'm not the great shepherd. Jesus is. What do I do with that, pastor? Simple. Repent, believe, and follow Jesus. Are you struggling in an area, brother or sister in Christ, of surrender to your, in your life to one of these absolute truths here this morning? Repent, believe, and follow Jesus. The supremacy of Christ displays that we should point to Jesus. The testimony of Christ declares that we should point to Jesus. And the authority of Christ demands that we point to Jesus. Let me close with this real-life conversion story of Augustine. He was born in 324. We know him as Augustine, the Bishop of Hippo. Which are, it's, that's not the little toy chest, the hungry, hungry hippos. I thought maybe the toy was. It's in place. But he's influenced believers for the last 1,600 years. Now, in this day and age in which we live of this therapeutic culture that we live in where we're being told to go back and find all of the pain that we can in our lives and sit in it and stew in it and soak in it and then vent our rage on everybody we come into contact with. Augustine followed a much different path. He went back through his life after he came to know the Lord and did chronicle all of the pain and failure that he discovered, but he did it in a way to point back to God's faithfulness even in his unbelief. He did it in a way to see the hand of God protecting him and loving him in spite of his brokenness. That's a good exercise. It's also therapeutic. We can learn something from his conversion account when he writes this. Hear the words of this man. As I grew into manhood, I was inflamed with desire for hell's pleasures. I went to Carthage where I found myself in the midst of a hissing cauldron of lust. I was willing to steal and I did steal, although I was not compelled by any lack. I was at the top of the school of rhetoric. I was pleased with my superior status and swollen with conceit. It was my ambition to be a good speaker just for the unhallowed and inane purpose of human vanity. The biographer notes here that uh, sin dominated his life. Lust and sensual pleasure held him captive. But on outward accounts, he looked like he had it all together. But one night, God opened his eyes to his own sin and his own disobedience, and he turned from sin and followed Jesus. He rejected his way and surrendered to God's way. 
Augustine describes that moment like this. How sweet it was for me to be rid of those fruitless joys which I had once feared to lose. You, Lord, you drove them from me and you are the true sovereign joy. You drove them from me and took their place. Oh, Lord, my God, my light, my wealth, my salvation. Learn from Augustine this morning. Learn from John the Baptist this morning. Real ministries from heaven. And the Bible tells us who we are and who we're not. And we can have joy as we live for and point to Jesus. Don't try to manufacture joy for yourself. Don't try to manufacture another way. Follow God's way. Don't follow your own empty desires, but turn to the one who loves your soul and can make you new. As Julia comes this morning, I just want to encourage you to point to Jesus. Point to Jesus by the way that you love others. Point to Jesus by the way that you live life. Point to Jesus with your words as you share the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ with those who are hurting, who may not even recognize they are wandering around in the darkness. God may use you to turn the light on so that they can see their own sin and greater still see a Savior that knows them and loves them. Let's pray. acknowledge this morning that you are greater that you alone have the words of life your truth and that you are in charge Lord forgive us for pursuing lesser things or thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought forgive us this morning of chasing after a lie or half truth when we have such a precious gift in your word. Forgive us this morning for surrendering to the lordship or the tyranny of this world when you alone sit on the throne. Father, we ask that you would wash over us, in us, and through us so that our lives and our lips would point to Jesus. We ask these things in Christ's name. Let the church say amen.